everyone, I'm Jamie Bricker and welcome to Matters of Principle. This twice monthly podcast continues to discuss key issues principles confront on a regular basis. Now for sports fans, of course, spring typically at least means baseball spring training is underway. But unfortunately, of course, all ball fans know that right now we're in the midst of a lockout, which will hopefully be resolved soon. And then, of course, sports always makes me think of the Masters. And six weeks, actually, from this very recording date is the first round. Now, for school principals, of course, spring signifies something quite different. And that, of course, is really that transition from the present year into their thoughts shifting into more and more about the next school year. Now, a key part of this shift in focus obviously involves staffing, and we will begin our discussion on staffing in today's podcast. Now, without any further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce my co-host, Jack Barkley. A big welcome, Jack. Now, Jack, I'm curious, during your many years as a school administrator, what were your key considerations when it came to making decisions about staffing for the next school year? Well, welcome and thanks, Jamie. Uh, it's great to be with you again and our, and our uh, guests today again and an audience. And listen, I I love that analogy with sports. I'll say that first and foremost, and it's great to see spring in the air. Uh, but a great question to get us started this week, you know, and, and giving some thought to that. Uh, staffing is so important. Lo- really looking forward to discussing it. Um, it's a huge part of what school leaders are responsible for and do. I would say, you know, the number one piece for me with staffing was to make sure that I followed the process as was set out by our board and to agreed upon pieces in the collective agreement. Because as we've talked about before, you don't want to be going back and having to change a decision, especially a key decision uh, like, like this one. I would say secondly or next I would it's really important to ask staff for their input and for their own professional goals and I I know that we did the staffing process so many years you and I both that that was an uh, an obvious piece where we would we would uh, give them questions uh, and and want to hear their input and we'll get to more of that later now once that said we we communication and transparency with your staff as the staffing season unfolds as we get more and more into the spring is so important Uh, and you use the one-on-one opportunities and the staff meetings to update people and uh, and so on and and give them information along the way and Jamie goes without saying I guess in conclusion that staffing is that biggest way to impact teaching and learning and your school as a whole. Well, I know you concur, Jack, but there is absolutely no question that staffing is one of the single uh, most important and most impactful aspects of the principal's role. And one mentor I had early on who I greatly respected, he was a strong believer that doing staffing correctly may well be the most important thing a principal does in a given school year. Well, right, Jamie, and, and everybody is watching that, right? So good staffing decisions establish uh, or reinforce a principal's credibility, but those poor staffing decisions or errors, mistakes, uh, lapses in judgment can undermine a school leader's credibility very quickly as well. No question, your staffing or hiring, uh, and obviously they're closely related, that legacy, as you say, Jack, good or bad, boy, can it linger and linger for a long time. 
Yeah, your, your people in your building will talk about that. Stakeholders will talk about it and notice those things. And as we've laid out, Jamie, there are clearly different layers to staffing decisions. And there are also key stages, uh, I would add too. And, and I think this is where we start is one key stage to staffing is creating a framework for the, for the staffing process. Or we might call it setting the scene uh, right now for the coming year. Because let's face it, right now, as we spoke, we were in, in the staffing process, we were thinking about next school year in our minds and what that was going to look like. Um, by this point of the year, you know, uh, as we approach March, all principals have or should have distributed a staff preference sheet for next year's assignment, as we've for, for so mentioned, and have had numerous follow-up meetings with various staff members. And over the next few weeks, if they haven't already uh, you know, done so, principals will be receiving other schools' enrollment projections for the fall, as well as the projected staff allocation for their given school. Now today, we're gonna to begin with helping principals get a, a clear understanding of the best way to staff one school. And I guess, Jack, it's important today, we're really looking at kind of the present staff. In our follow-up uh, podcast in a couple of weeks, we'll get into the reality that, of course, there'll be some movement beyond your, your particular school. Right, and, and I'm glad you uh, distinguished between those two, James, so that we're not confusing the listeners with that. So these staffing projections from the board, you know, there are th certain things. They're going to dictate whether your overall staff size will rise, fall, or remain the same for next year. And, and quite honestly, I always looked at them, and, and the thing that stuck with me over the years was how accurate they really were, give or take a little bit here and there. There's some things that you can't necessarily control, who shows up in the summer and so on and that. But they're not cast in stone, but they're pretty accurate, you know, and gave you a good indication of what you had to work with. Now, in you know, another piece that I, I want to bring forth is that whole idea of the long-term planning. And as an administrator, when we had a chance to communicate with our families through newsletters, uh, through connections and conversations, I always, we looked at it as wanting to remind parents to let the office know if they were definitely planning to move at the end of the present school year. Oh, oh, no question. The more information we have as a school, obviously, facilitates better planning. Now, staffing projections, they may well lead to having a surplus teacher. And I think it's so important that before meeting with this given teacher, as a principal, I always confirmed his or her surplus status with the board. Uh, unbeknownst to the teacher, before I ever spoke to him or her, I just confirmed, because no one wants to be kind of stressing people out with inaccurate information. That's just not fair. Uh, the board will then provide the principal with a standard surplus letter. Now, I think the next key, Jack, is principals have must share this letter in person in a private meeting with the affected teacher. This letter, obviously, is going to be a, you know, a real trigger for more stress for the teacher. And they deserve far better than kind of randomly out of the blue getting it in their, you know, their mailbox in the staff room type thing. That needs to really start with a, a personal interaction with the uh, principal. And I know sometimes in my career, Jack, I look back and boy, depending on the building and the size of the staff and the composition of staff, some teachers in a given school are truly very surprised they've been deemed surplus because they might have six or eight years experience but within the confines of that given staff, 
they are low man on the or woman on the surplus list and just because of the particular situation in that school so for some people to add to the stress factor is being declared surplus is a real surprise you're right Jamie and, and this is where a couple of key points here is is interesting this is why when we look at seniority lists they're always generally finalized but you know, around Christmas time and signed off on so that you have that idea of where you are within the school. And I would agree with you when, when I, when you're early in your career as a teacher, the worry was always, am I lowest person? Could I be that person who's moved? But you're right. If you're, you could still have a number of years and be that lowest person. Either way, it certainly adds to a, uh, adds to that stress level at this time of year. Um, now, one, a clarification too, just around, you'll hear, listeners will hear us use words like surplus and redundant. You know, Stafford deemed surplus to a school uh, if they're, you know, if, if there's more staff than spaces on that staff. But when you hear us use that word redundant, it's, it's generally used uh, if there are excess teachers in your whole board. And, and that's a, a spot nobody really wants to be in because you may be redundant and then called back and, and so on and so forth with that. So just a quick clarification. If you're surplus to the school, you might be moved and, or going to the rounds and be moved to another school, but redundant means you're, you're redundant to, uh, to the whole board. So redundant potentially, just to clarify, you may not have a job in the fall. Yeah, you could get that, but, but uh, again, hopefully... You know, a lot of times people will be called back uh, and so on and that, but it, it, it even heightens that anxiety a little bit more. And again, good leaders, you know, will be uh, will, will be attuned to that. And that's uh, going back to what you said. That's why it's so important to have those conversations and make sure that the staff understands the process. Now, at the end of a March staff meeting, you know, also in that preference sheet, remind staff that if they are planning to retire or a leave of some sort to please come and see the principal because it certainly helps with your planning along the way. Oh, no question. If, if As you say, Jack, if someone's taking a leave, and of course, people can take leaves for or, or apply at least for leaves for a litany of reasons. Um, and it's, it's really greatly appreciated by the principal if, if we know that as we're working through staffing season. Uh, because once again, there's no question, as you said right off the start uh, today, there's a process, and not surprisingly, there's a process for the overall staffing, but there's also kind of, I guess I call them sub-processes, just made up a new word, Jack, but kind of, <laughs> there's different kind of tributaries that also have their own process, and one of those, of course, is anything to do with taking a leave. That's right, Jamie, and, and you know, briefly discussing and letting that principal know about the leave uh, or a desired move or a transfer may save a surplus teacher. So, uh, you, you know, you, you, that that will really help in, in that situation. And, and again, good leaders uh, will do that discreetly. You don't want to be nosy with people and so on and that, but you want to keep it open and, and kind of keep that door open to staff to remind them that it's okay to come and talk about those things to you. Because let's face it, communication and transparency is, it's a two-way street in this topic area of staffing between the staff and the leader. And also for staff who at this time of year who are looking potentially to uh, move to another school. Now we'll talk more about that process in our next podcast. But once again, I think it's really important to let the principal know. And 
it works. I, we, we, we talk a lot about this word tr transparency. Well, I think it works best for all concerned in the staffing process if everyone kind of really has their cards on the table and everyone kind of understands kind of the the, the needs and the goals and the aspirations of, of, of the other parties involved type thing. I think that really, um, you know, really kind of facilitates things. Um, and I think it it's also so important to remind principals, and I'm sorry, I'm stating the obvious here, Jack, but when staff are coming up and explaining to you in private that they're pondering a leave or pondering this or looking at a position at another school potentially and all boards of some version of the transfer rounds and so on, whether it's within the school, within the board, or at an, with another board potentially, principals really need to show some discretion. And I know uh, as a teacher one time myself many years ago when I was looking at plans early in my career of moving to another board, etc., uh, on the one hand, the principal was very supportive and we had a lot of discussions about it, but I must say I just about fell off my chair when the principal shared this with the uh, whole staff at the, at the end of the next staff meeting, uh, indicating that, you know, Jamie was looking at kind of leaving the board next year, yada, yada, yada. Like, I really didn't appreciate that at all because it was really a, a violation of a confidential conversation. So principals need to always kind of keep that in mind throughout this entire process. Well, that's a, a great example, Jamie, and, and, and what a difficult spot to, to be in, in in something like that. And and this is where the principal can become too transparent and want to sh share too much information. And as you and I have said in other conversations, this role is a balancing act where, yes, you want to communicate with staff, you want to keep them updated, but at times you need to be discreet and keep uh, information close to you. Uh, as well. Well, now, well said. There's a real fine line. Well yeah. said. I mean, if and when staff openings arise, a principal needs to confirm with the board if future openings will be posted either permanently or as LTO. And and as we know in our situations, we generally found out if an opening on our staff uh, was permanent or LTO. Usually, we found that out early in June. We, we knew whether that hire or that person uh, was going to be in one of those two situations by June. And again, we're distinguishing here between terms. Permanent is just that. The teacher is in the system now uh, and likely with the staff for the long haul. An LTO teacher is there for a year or the balance of the school year, depending on when they were hired and, and that, that length of that contract. So generally speaking, LTO teachers, they're motivated to become permanent teachers, right? And they're, they're gonna be working hard to get to that next level. And not to sound cynical in hiring, but it's a reality that principals become aware of, you know, that, that once that teacher becomes permanent, you wanna really be sure that you're picking that right person for, for that seat on the bus. Well, and also, Jack, I don't want to sound too cynical. However, much like you just um, mentioned, I also want to really kind of be really kind of based in reality. And I guess, once again, maybe it's kind of stating the obvious, but boy, like principals always have to keep in mind, always have to keep in mind that it is infinitely more difficult to ultimately uh, try to move a permanent teacher uh, versus someone who, as you say, is in the L LTO position. That's right, Jamie. And, and as I mentioned before, if your school has that opening, you're going to hear in June at some point whether that space will be filled by a permanent or an LTO teacher. All right. Now I think let's kind of shift a little bit into kind of what I would call the, 
the principal's general uh, kind of thought process as we're working through the staffing season. First and foremost, by just a mile, to kind of use uh, the old cliche, is just really, really at the top of the list by a big margin is all staffing decisions need to really put the school's overall needs first. And, and sometimes that's kind of easier said than done, but that's always got to be the driving force. As I've mentioned over the uh, months we've done the podcast, I'm certainly a, 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 someone who's big into metaphors, no question about it, but I think there's two really appropriate ones for the staffing season. If you want to think of the bus, well, as a principal, you're driving the bus. And of course, you're always thinking to yourself, who's going to occupy which seat? And I think that's a really, uh, really kind of apt metaphor because that seat configuration can change throughout the year, et cetera, et cetera. But you always have to think of who's the best person for that given seat. But also, you can make the argument very easily that it's actually not so much of a uh, sitting on a bus configuration, but rather a puzzle. Because you think of, say, a 500-piece puzzle or whatever, the, the size of the puzzle doesn't matter, but the fact that everything's kind of interconnected like a puzzle, whereas a bus to me is a bit more linear. But, the, you know, different pieces kind of mesh together. So whether you want to think of a bus or think of a puzzle, it's absolutely, you have to think of how all of this is going to ultimately fit together for the best interests of the overall school. That's well said, Jamie. And I, I, you look at those staffing decisions, and, and and I guess another way of saying it is they can't be motivated by uh, friendships or any sort of bias. Um, you know, maintaining the status quo or as it's always been, um, or for that matter, just shaking things up or changing things for the sh sake of change. It this is not the time for. Uh, moves of revenge or, or petty actions because they really become noticed. Your, your moves become judged in, in that light at this time of year. And, and that's why it's really important to initiate ongoing discussions with affected staff about uh, an undoubtedly fluid situation. And once again, it is so important to have these private discussions with staff members, uh, particularly and I think back to those times, there were some times where you, you mentioned those uh, preference sheets staff uh, fill out this time of year with their uh, wishes for next year. Well, there's sometimes for various reasons that those wishes from staff just, just cannot be met. Uh, those preferences cannot be satisfied uh, by the principal. And certainly those are times maybe above and beyond all else when staff members deserve to hear that in a private conversation directly with you and kind of hear your rationale and so on. And also, with any conversation with staff, principals always have to remember that they'll be as private as the staff member chooses to make them. So I always really kind of prided myself as school leader, this would be very confidential. If, it, if something had to be discussed with my vice principal, I would let the staff member know. But the vast majority of things would just be kept between the staff member and myself. However, I would be naive to not realize that in many cases, what I discussed with that given staff member may well become common knowledge in the staff room within the next 24 hours. So you always have to be aware of kind of what you're saying because in a sense, you're saying it to everyone. And also I think it's important to, we always talk about the big picture and so on, uh, Jack, but it's when you are staffing, you have to balance, yes, we ultimately want the best person at, in their kind of optimal grade placement 
that's really going to be the best for our kids and the overall school? Absolutely. That's the driving force. But we also have to look at staff members uh, on a case-by-case -case basis because some staff members really contribute to the school in a whole whack of different ways outside of the classroom. And that's kind of balanced with also their best fit within the classroom. Yeah, great points, Jamie. I, I, I think about that, you know, when, when we're thinking about staffing, and I'm going to talk about qualifications in a moment, but there are some parts of staffing where you don't have a lot of choice. I think of French, if you're in a smaller school and you have the one French teacher, they're going to be doing that, or the person who's qualified uh, for the special education uh, resource teacher role qualified for that. So, of course, you have to place people in those seats where they're qualified. Um, but, and, and, and that's where you have to be aware of that. But using that, keeping that in mind, there are times when, uh, you know, you might give that person on staff a nudge or a push into somewhere outside of their comfort zone. And, and that might be strategic you know, along the way. So the key thing though is, are they qualified for that spot? Because that's that's where you'd be forced to go back uh, on a decision if, if they're not qualified in that situation. But I, I completely agree. I think any school leader would agree with that, that your guiding priority has to be all about what's best for your school and your students next year. And as we've mentioned, but I think it really warrants repeating, some staffing decisions can resonate for a long time. And that's, once again, as we've just mentioned, Jack, therefore it's all the more important they must be seen, hopefully through everyone's lens, that decisions were ultimately made in the best interest of the overall school. Because as we've referred to, Jack, it's, it's so true that staff notice, and maybe more importantly, staff remember who you hire. That's so true, Jamie. That like that long-term legacy of staff decisions, uh, it, it, it confirms their importance, and principals have to methodically work through this important process. I, I, I remember, you know, when we talk about the preference sheets, administrators will hand them out, and then sometimes in the busyness, you 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 may that may be the last that a teacher hears about that and wonders. Did that principal really take into consideration what I asked for? And that's where you alluded to those conversations, being discreet about things, but having that conversation to show staff that you've you've thought about what they've put down. It's always a balance between what's best for your school versus uh, never minimizing that personal or emotional impact of some staffing decisions on a given staff member. Well, I got to piggyback on that thought, Jack. We've talked a lot about the importance of building those really uh, well-founded, uh, trustworthy, and really mutual relationships with staff over the weeks and months. And I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking, boy, I don't think those relationships ever get really put to the test more than they do during staffing season. We have to recognize that for some staff members, staffing season is exciting. It's opportunities. It's, it's different things to explore. It's all through a positive lens. For other staff, it can be extremely stressful very, you know, they can get very anxious. They don't like the unknown. They don't like the uncertainty. They don't like the potential of a great change. They don't want, they, they just want the status quo. And of course, the status quo is, you know, not always even a viable option. And in many cases, it's not best for the school. So I think there again, as a leader, I can't reiterate enough throughout this entire process, those relationships must be both recognized and respected. 
very much so Jamie staffing is such an important topic you know with this and I'm glad we touched on all these pieces uh, today with it um, because it's 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 a such a key part of what a school leader does that we're gonna also focus uh, our next podcast in two weeks on the staffing process and as mentioned earlier in, in two weeks we'll start looking at it kind of beyond the school level both in terms of people you may be quote losing or as they're going on to other opportunities and of course additions you may be acquiring uh, from other other schools so we're kind of looking beyond your given school next next time we discuss this in two weeks well a big thanks as always for joining us today and a reminder that if you have any questions or comments please email us at affective leadership that's affective with an a at gmail.com And we encourage our listeners to share our podcast with other school leaders and a reminder to follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to connecting with you again in two weeks on Matters of Principle.